heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and just give him a big hug. And tell him you love him. And as always, if you're here by yourself and not sitting there, anybody, just hug yourself and tell yourself you love you. I love you. <laughs> We're continuing our series, Amen, the Verily, Verily, Truly, Truly, I Say Unto You, Statements of Jesus in the book of John. We live in a time when Jesus is being rejected. Now, this video I'm going to show you was done some time ago, but I think it really bears us listening to as we begin the message today. So, Jeff, if you would. <clears throat> A panel has been discussing the spirituality and the forces of God, but I also believe that there are two forces that are here with us, that we do have our, our, our God that we can depend on, but there's also a power of darkness that we do need to be aware of. And that's do you, where the choice is. Do you begin. believe that, that you can choose between one or the other? Most, most absolute definitely. Yes. Now, now Marianne uh, Williamson says in her book, Return to Love, that we're always walking in the direction of one or the other. That all of your actions in life, either you're moving toward the darkness or you're moving toward the light. Right. She calls it fear and love. There's this wonderful book called Ishmael by Daniel Quinn, which talks, it, which, which is. Anyway, it's a gorilla talking, but anyway. Uh, it talks about one of the points it brings out is one of the mistakes that human beings make is believing that there is only one way to live That's and right. that we don't accept that there are diverse ways of being in the world, that there are millions of ways to be a then human how do being. You and, God? and many ways, no, but many paths to what you call God. That and her crazy. path might be something else, and when she gets there, she might call it the light. But her loving and her kindness and her generosity brings her, if it brings her to the same point that it brings you, it doesn't matter whether she called it God along the way or not. And I guess the danger that could be on that, I mean, it, it sounds great on the onset, but if you really look at both sides, I there could possibly be just one way. What, what about Jesus? What about Jesus? That is the gospel according to Oprah. You may have heard that several years ago. And the problem with her philosophy is you can't good your way to heaven. You can't hope your way to heaven. You can't perform your way to heaven. 
You can't buy your way to heaven. You can't assume your way to heaven. The Bible is very clear. There's only one way to get to heaven. It's through Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Oprah. No, I'm saying, but by me. Yes, you know the verse. Very exclusive, by the way. God is a very exclusive person when it comes to heaven. Inclusive to everybody who comes. But exclusive on how you can get there. Oprah's wrong. Her panel that was established there talking about this is all wrong. The woman, One of the women on the panel had written a book about love and light. Feel good. Got to feel good. It's going to come a day of judgment. And judgment's not going to be fun. So many people are rejecting Jesus today. Our verses, John 6, 23 through, 50, through 69. I know you're saying, oh my goodness, a lot of verses. Just hang in there. I'm going to... We'll get it all done. Last week I was a little low on my sugar. went down, if you didn't notice. And they gave me two, two cans of Mountain Dew. And they wanted to do that every Sunday. Because they said I sped the sermon up and I got through faster. So, But I'm doing really good today. So I don't know. Maybe be here an hour. I don't know. We'll see. I hope not. <clears throat> don't think so. <laughs> Can I have two? Okay, I take three. <laughs> okay. So the verses we're going to look at, and these verses deal with uh, some stories. And one of them took place after Jesus had fed the 5,000 and after he walked on the water in the presence of the disciples. I've got a map that I want you to see the distance. It's got a little bit hard to see, but the one at the top, your left, my right, your left, that is the city of Bethsaida. And the other arrow down around the uh, curve of the uh, sea, of Galilee, sea of Galilee is the city of Capernaum. And so you, I wanted you to see there was a great, there's a pretty good distance between the two. Um, and some argue whether this is Bethsaida, uh, Galilee, or or different Bethsaida, but it you know the, it doesn't matter. It's in the same area. Both of them are in the same area. But the crowd followed him from Bethsaida to Capernaum. Word had spread quickly down to Tiberias. And when the crowds couldn't find Jesus nor his disciples, they all headed out to Capernaum looking for him. I heard a guy say it the other day, Capernaum, I thought. Boy, must have went to some religious organization I've never heard of. Capernaum. Maybe he's hung up on Colin Kaepernick. I don't know. I just want to wave a flag at him. Capernaum. Okay. So the crowd was excited to find Jesus. It's a pretty good crowd that's going to follow him that, that distance, and they're going to create an uproar a little bit. And so they asked Jesus when he arrived at Capernaum, and he doesn't answer them. 
He simply makes a statement. Let's pick it up in verse 26 and 27 in John chapter 6. Hopefully you have your Bible still open there. Jesus answered, here we go, Truly, truly, verily, verily, I say to you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, because the God the Father has set His seal of approval on Him, meaning Jesus. The crowd responds in verse 28, wanting to know what they can do to perform the works of God. And then in 29 through 34, Jesus replies, This is the work of God, that you believe in the one He has sent. What sign then are you going to do so, uh, so we may see and believe you, they asked. And what are you going to perform? Our ancestors ate the man in the wilderness, just as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. 32. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And then they said, Sir, give us this bread always. The reason so many would reject Jesus is that Jesus was going to teach them some things that they didn't want to hear. I have a tendency to do that. I have a tendency to preach some things that you don't necessarily want to hear, but you're going to get them anyway. Because I've told you that if something I say in a sermon upsets you, two things should happen. One is, you need to examine your heart. Why are you upset? Is it the way I said it? That's highly possible. (laughs) Or is it the fact that the Word of God penetrated your heart and began to prick around a little bit? And it could be a third issue. It could be that you and I need to sit down and have a cup of coffee and just visit about it. My way is not not the only way in Scripture as I teach it and preach it, but I'm going to do my very best to give you the truth as I know it because I believe that James chapter 3 is true when it says those who teach will receive a stricter judgment. So I'm going to give you all the stuff, whether you want it or not. You have a decision to make then whether you want to do something with it. When your wife says, men, when your wife says, go mow the grass, you've got a choice to make in your life. You can either mow the grass or go meet your maker. I mean, it's up to you. You've got a choice to make. But the reason so many reject Jesus, even today, and we're rejecting him, is because he was saying stuff they didn't want to hear. So, I want to give you two or three things I want you to take away from our verses this morning. Number one is, what is my motivation? What is my motivation for following Jesus? See, the crowd's motivation was that he kept feeding them. He kept giving them stuff. It's kind of like a somebody on welfare. I don't want to get off welfare because I do really well on welfare. I don't want to 
get a real job because I can draw unemployment and make as much, if not more, than I was making while I was working. 52% of Americans don't pay one dime, one dollar in taxes. 52%. How many people we got in the United States? 300 million? 52% of that. Well, let's go after those one percenters, those wealthy people. They only pay 29% of all the taxes. Well, there you go. You know who pays the biggest percentage of taxes? People who make between uh, $100,000 and $150,000 a year. They pay the biggest percentage. That's called the middle class. But everybody's out to help the middle class, aren't they? Why is it that we've got to raise taxes in order to balance the budget? You've got all the money you need. Spend it better. Spend it better. Sorry, I've gone from preaching to meddling. Now let me get back to preaching here. Truly, truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate loaves and were filled. I used to wonder why Jesus didn't applaud them for their effort to see him. After all, he's drawing a crowd. Wouldn't it be great to just go, man, thanks for coming. Oh, wow. He was more concerned with the heart that they had that they brought to see him with. What What was in their heart? One would think that Jesus would be just happy that the folks made the effort to come and be along with him, right? After all, the bigger the crowd, the more effective the preacher. Evidently. Nah. That have to do with the crowd. It has to do with the heart of those coming. If you've got one, two, three people who are honestly seeking truth from God are better than a mass of people who are just there. Does that make sense to you? So where are you today? Are you among the mass of people who just come and go... Well, I was, uh, I, was, I was okay. Are you really, li- really listening and hearing what I'm saying? Imagine if when you came in today, I went to you and I said, Hey, you're not here for the right reason. I know you're not here for the right reason. Well, that kind of put a damper on your day, wouldn't it? Some of you, I'd venture to say, probably just get up and walk out the door. What? Who was he? Who was he to tell me? Blah, 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 blah. I love it when a guy will come up to me or a lady will come up to me after church and they'll say, man, you were stepping on my toes today. Okay, great. Because the good news about me stepping on your toes is that God has just been jumping on mine all week long. So you don't understand that. I get to sit up here through the week. And most of the time I'm in this building by myself. Just me and God. And from my desk in my office, I can see this old rickety cross up here. And just when I'm getting thoughts of whatever it is, I'll raise my head up, and lo and behold, I'll see that cross. Then there's times when I'll get out of my office, and I'll come up to this cross, and I'll get a chair, and I'll sit right by the cross so I can hold it 
while I pray. Because I may be in a tough part in Scripture where I don't understand exactly what God's trying to say to me. And nine times out of ten, I'll leave that spot to go back to my office with a clear thought on what I should say. Huh. Coincidence, I guess. I guess the blood flowed better from my walk from my office to the cross. Is that what it was? All of a sudden you got wisdom, didn't you? Yeah, I got it right there. When you come humbly before the Lord at the cross, you're going to get what you need. And I have said all along, this church will be a growing church. We may not have any more numbers and whatever. That's in God's hands. It's in your hands. It's in the Spirit's hands. But I'm telling you, a growing church is one that's not afraid to get on their knees before that cross, grab hold of it, say, God, I need you. So any time during a service, I've always told you this. If I'm preaching and it's the best sermon you've ever heard me preaching in my 23 years of being your preacher, and God touches you and says, you need, you need to really pray about this. You need to get up there. Don't wait for me to quit preaching and give an invitation. You just get up and go. When a song hits you, get up and go. You see what I'm saying? You understand where I'm going? I don't want you to be inhibited that when God prompts you that you don't respond to it. Well, preacher, if I go up there, people think there's something wrong with me. No, they won't. And you know what? If they do, who really cares? We're talking about you. And God's trying to get you. Don't blow it off. Don't fool around with it. Don't play around with it. Let Him have you. Our motivation for following Jesus will determine how deep we are willing to go with Him. You know, we hold this Bible up. Say our little mantra. And then we usually put it down. How many then... Open it back up when, I, when He give you the Scripture. Open it up. Are you there? Some of you have it on, on your phone or uh, on your tablets. That's great. Whatever you need to use to get into the Word of God, use it. But don't close it and go, well, we've said what we're going to say. Okay. We had one lady that attended, an older lady at one time. She doesn't attend here now. But at one time I talked about you guys, you know, I jokingly say, just bow your heads and we'll think you're in a posture of prayer while you sleep. And she said, well, at least I opened my Bible so you think I'm reading along with you. <laughs> Great answer, by the way. You might want to hang on to them. <laughs> because if you're following Jesus for the wrong reason, what he demands of us will become an impossibility. It will be hard to swallow, hard to follow. And if we are following Jesus for the correct reason, even though what He teaches us to do is difficult, we'll be committed to doing it and teaching it. Look in verse 28. The crowd more or less inquires as to what is the correct motivation. And Jesus tells them in verses 29 through 58. Let me summarize that. That's where it gets tough in these verses. He tells the crowd that they are to believe in Him. They didn't ask for a sign as to why they should believe in him, and then he said, "Then, then said their ancestors ate manna from heaven, and that was authenticated, and gave Moses authentication as God's man." But Jesus then informs them that God, 
rather than Moses provided the manna and that the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They were missing the whole point. They had their focus on the physical bread and not on the spiritual bread. On the preacher who brings the bread to eat over the living bread comes from heaven. And you see the connection between the two. Jesus became that bread of life. Then he chastises them a bit by telling them that the crowd, that they, uh, they have seen him but still don't believe in him. And then he says in verse 40 that whatever and what whoever believes in him will have eternal life. And then Jesus, beginning at verse 41 through 43, hits a sore spot. Therefore the Jews started complaining about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, isn't this Jesus the son of Joseph whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I've come down from heaven? Verse 43, Jesus answered them, stop complaining among yourselves. Houston, we have a problem. Jesus is teaching the folks things they don't like. He's risking followers if he doesn't act fast. He's going to have his crowd leave him. Offerings will go down. Doors will close. Church is over. My job is to preach the truth of the Word of God. Your job is to influence those others around you to come to church with you. I know many of you invite, you invite, you invite, you invite, you invite, you invite, you invite. And all the time they tell you no. Seventy-five percent of them, however, will come if you'll offer them breakfast before church or lunch after church. You'll get seventy-five of the percentage of the people you invite to church to come with you. Why? Because they're finally going to get something out of the deal. They'll come to church to listen, to get you off their back, but the bottom line is they get a meal. And that's all they're after. But what we hope is when a person comes in here, they feel the love of God, they sense the presence of the Spirit, and they like what they see, like what they hear, and they want more of it. Jesus needs to change his message or he's going to lose his crowd. He needs to back down and give the people what they want lest they begin to walk away. And isn't it the same thing that we face today? When politicians tell us we must be tolerant, (laughs) yet will not tolerate what we teach. Young people will wear Scripture t-shirts to school and they're told to take them off. But you wear, girls wear a covered hijab of of the Islamic faith and you wear that school. Man, you're praised. Awesome. But you carry your Bible, man, ridicule you, fire you on the spot. Football players can, professional football players can kneel before the national anthem, showing disrespect to our country, our flag, and our military. And yet a coach, and I can't remember now exactly where he was, but he would kneel on the 50-yard line after every game and pray to God that nobody was hurt, Great game, yada, yada, yada. And some of the players then would go out and join him. And even players from the other team would come out and join him because they knew it was his practice. He was fired. 
You see, when we do the things that God calls us to do and we do it in the public, get ready. Oh, get ready. But yes, that, yet in essence, that is what Jesus is doing. Remember Senator Feinstein, the wonderful lady from California? They were interviewing a lady to be a court judge that President Trump had nominated. And Sister Feinstein said, you embody your faith. You actually live your faith. And so that's going to be difficult for you to make judgments because your faith is inside you. Yeah. This crowd, we want that kind of judge. Amen? But Sister Feinstein liked to jump completely out of her chair going after And, of course, she had Al Franken come alongside her and agree. Whew, those are two paragons of faith. I want a judge that has their faith working from inside them. So do you. So what will Jesus do? Will He water down His message? Will He change His approach so that more people will come or will stay with Him? I mean, shouldn't we comply and change with the times so people will accept us? You know, the millennials won't come to church. They don't like church. They hate church. Because there's nothing there for them. Really? That's no, because we've allowed ourselves to get too busy. We've allowed other stuff to get in the way. second thing I want you to take away is that popularity cannot be a priority when you follow Jesus. We face the same issue Jesus is dealing with. People grumbling, complaining about what we teach concerning creation and marriage and sexual preference and abortion, physical relations outside the marriage, etc., 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 etc. And I'm not going to stop today. I'm not going to stop tomorrow and I'm not going to stop the next day because this is truth. And I will not preach anything except what's in here. Well, we're going to put you in jail, preacher. Okay. Can I take my electric scooter with me? I can get from where I need to go. Gee, I'd have a captive audience. If they put me in jail. That's how Paul approached it, didn't he, by the way? Hmm. He had a captive audience. He was leading the judges, I mean, I mean the guards to Christ, baptizing them in the prison. Whoa, whoa, stop. I'm not going to stop preaching this. They can legislate it all they want. They can tell me I can't say certain words. In California, if you say certain words like he or she... Boy or girl, boom, they're fine on you. Say it enough, they'll put you in jail. You have to use transgendered language. Ek, unk, ook, m, unk, ak. Hey, you're a, you're a good-looking eek. I can't tell you that you're a good-looking woman because I've offended you. And now girls are getting mad because boys who claim to be girls are going out for girls' sports and winning. Yeah, they're winning. They're faster and stronger. But we need compromise, right? Look at verse 43. Jesus tells the crowd to stop complaining. 
It's really not a good way to start a sermon, but <laughs> he says, stop complaining. Jesus does something fascinating. He goes, he doesn't back down. He doesn't dumb down the message. He doesn't water it down. As a matter of fact, he doubles down. He, he, he bores down deep with the message and the point where he said something that sets them off. He compares himself to the manna from heaven and they just went ballistic. Why? Oh my God. In verse 52, the Jews began to do something. Pick it up at 52 with me. At that, Jesus argued among themselves, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life in yourselves. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood is eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Because my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. And the one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. So when faced with being popular or being on the right track, Jesus sacrificed popularity for truth. Folks, no matter how hard you want something that is contrary to God's Word to be true, it's not true. No matter what sin we may uh, want to say to God that it's okay, He's going to tell you it's not okay. I'm not hurting anyone but myself. Lie. Every sin you do has an effect on somebody else. If you speed down the highway, that's a sin. Because the law says there needs to be a certain speed limit. It was fun. Last night I was driving across on uh, I-44 across Tulsa. And the highway patrolman was two cars in front of me. He had passed me. That's how slow I was going. He passed me and got in the lane where I was, you know, three lanes on 44. And then he slows down to the speed limit. Man, I I see it in the the side mirror. This guy, I bet he's doing 90. He comes by me. I've never seen a car stop faster than that car. Well, Howard Patrolman is a black car. You, you couldn't really know if it was Howard Patrolman. Too. But boy, he saw something. I mean, he was, he was like that. And he's a model citizen. It's amazing, isn't it? That's what Jesus does. He brings the hammer down and expects you to do it. Burger King years ago had, a, had an ad that says, have it your way. And that's the way we want God in our life. Is we want Him, but we want to have Him the way we want Him. Not the way He wants us to be. He will not back down. He will not water down. He will not change the message just so you will feel good about yourself. He's going to tell you straight up and straight out, here's how it is. Take it or leave it. How many of you grew up with a dad and a mother that would say, take it or leave it? Oh, I got two hands. Three, four, five, six hands. So at your house, when it was time for dinner, mom fixed the dinner, put it on the table. At your house, you could sit down and say, I don't like that. 
And she would immediately get up and start to fix something that you like. Or did you go to dinner and what was fixed on the table and you said, I don't like that. They looked at you and said, Eat it anyway or starve. And then your belligerent spirit would say, Well, fine, I'll just starve. And about 10 o'clock, you're dying. And you try to get up and sneak into the kitchen to steal some food, right? And guess who's at the refrigerator? In the refrigerator. Knowing that you're coming. <laughs> Let's look at verses 16 and 61. Therefore, when many of his disciples heard this, they said, This teaching is hard. Who can accept it? And Jesus, knowing in Himself that His disciples were complaining about this, asked them, Does this offend you? So see, I would say to you as River Oaks Church, do the things that God says to you week in and week out, does it offend you? And you know what I'm going to say? Just what Jesus said. Tough. Get over it. Don't like it? There'll be some church that'll tell you exactly what you want to hear. You got 27 churches in Jinx of all kinds of persuasions. You got some that jump pews. You got some that don't have pews. You got you got you got some that raise their hand. You got some that are are, are more this way. They raise their hand halfway. You don't let it go all the way if you're in the Christian churches on down here. You got some that have music. Some that don't have music. When I say music, I mean instruments. Some have instruments. Some don't have instruments. You got some that are labeled a certain way, and that's the way they are. Some that speak in tongues, some that don't. Some are afraid. So I, I mean, whatever you think is right for you. I mean, you got some that foot wash. We got them right here. They'll wash your feet on Sunday nights. Once a month, they have a foot washing service. So Jesus asked his disciples. Because they were complaining too. Leads us to my third and final point. Following the authentic Jesus demands a decision. You see, every day you have to make a decision on how you're going to live for or against what the Lord teaches. Every day you've got to make a decision. Well, I'm retired, preacher. I don't have to make any decisions. Oh, yeah, you do. Every day, you've got to decide how you're going to live for Jesus or not for Jesus. Every day. It's a lot simpler to live for Jesus. But you won't be popular. You won't have a lot of friends when you live for Jesus. And carry on the way that Jesus wants you to carry on. If you want to go with the flow of the world, then you have decided not to follow the authentic Jesus. You ought to be at the cross now if that's that's you. Because when something is authentic, it loses its value when you add new stuff to it. that's That's written so many years ago. You know, the world is not the same as it was when this was written. And, you know, Jesus didn't really mean that. In Romans 1 and 2, when it talks about uh, homosexuality, and it says 
they have exchanged the normal for the unnormal. Okay? Man with man, woman with woman. Wow. He said it. But it's, a, it's so long ago. He didn't really mean... He just needs to catch up to the times. I mean, the Bible... Come on! Are, don't you hear the same stuff? Church is dead. Church... Nobody wants to be at church. No, it's, it's such a dead place. Oh, they don't have any fun there. We have fun all the time. We laugh and laugh and have fun all the time. But we won't compromise what's in there. Sorry. Ladies, would you rather have a fake diamond engagement ring or a real diamond engagement ring? Let me see those hands. How many would say, I want a fake one? Oh, I've got one fruit. I got two frugal people. Give me a break. You would rather have a real one? Well, then his love is fake. Ah! You hide the real one and wear the fake one in case. Somebody clubs her and <laughs> knocks her out. Take it. Okay, great. They got five bucks. Oh, yeah, man. Gotcha. Okay. Honestly, though, in our lives, in our hearts, we'd rather have the real thing. Somebody said, hey, I want to give you a million dollars in gold. Nope. What about, how can I carry that? A million dollars in gold. I'll find a way to find Well, I don't want to carry it. Because gold, gold, this ain't going away. Right now it's $7,400 an ounce. That could change tomorrow. Could be down to nothing an ounce. When you take valuable masterpieces and you mess with them, it can ruin the value. If somebody offered you Van Gogh's Starry Night... Uh, worth a hundred to three hundred million, and when you check it out, you see at the bottom somebody's torn off a piece of the bottom. You're still going to pay that kind of money, aren't you? No, because you know now it's flawed. It's not perfect. Verse sixty-six tells us something sad. It says, From that moment, many of His disciples turned their backs and no longer accompanied Him. 67, So Jesus said to the twelve, You don't want to go away, do you too? Peter said, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that You are the Holy One of God. You see, they made their decision. Though they were complaining, though they were griping, they made their decision. What are you going to decide? We live in a time where it's getting increasingly difficult to follow the authentic Jesus. Paul warned of that in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from the hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. If we're going to have an impact for Jesus, we have to stand for and with the truth of the gospel of Christ. A lost world is depending on us to do that. 
It's said that Cyrus, the founder of the Persian Empire, once had captured a prince and his family. And when they came before him, the monarch asked the prisoner, What will you give me if I release you? The half of my wealth was the reply. And if I release your children, everything I possess was the reply. And if I release your wife, Your Majesty, I will give myself. Well, Cyrus was so moved by the devotion of this man to his family that he returned, uh, he he released them all. And as they were returning home, the prince said to his wife, Now, wasn't Cyrus a handsome man? And with a deep look of love for her husband, she said to him, I didn't notice. I could only keep my eyes on you, the one who was willing to give himself for me. Father, thank you for sending Jesus, who was willing to give himself for me. I don't deserve his love. I don't deserve his care. I don't deserve his forgiveness. But he gives it anyway. Is there just one here today that needs to know you in that way? Is there one here today who needs to deepen their walk with you in that way? Would your spirit stir within them? And that they would make a decision that will be an eternal difference for them today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.